Iowa everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed, seedsmanship at work. Hello, welcome to Two Guys Named Chris. It is Monday, the 29th of January. My name is Chris Williams. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Hassel in sunny Florida. We are presented by our friends at Fairway Meat and Grocery, your football party headquarters you saw the ad right there we are in the channel seed studios as well and gosh we have so much to get to today this is one of those days chris where an hour is probably not going to be enough but we'll yeah, do where do we start like i i feel like we need to start with what something that happened yesterday i think either you- the iowa oc or bang bang niner gang Van Wink. Look at this guy. My Did you even God. go to sleep last night, Van Winkle? Did you stay up drinking? Uh, I stay up pretty late. You know when your team wins, you just like to kind of scroll and to see what people are saying. And the press conferences didn't even go on for till like an hour and a half, two hours after the game because everyone's partying. Bang, bang. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That was Purdy, he had to do it, man. He, ha- he had to bring that team back. Back-to-back weeks. Brock Purdy does it, silencing the critics, at least for now. At least for now. Um, God, the critics were out there in the in the first half. They were all over the place. And Brock, uh, the, the, the stats say, I, I just retweeted one, Matt, one of those stat services. It was one of the great halves in the history of professional football, what, what Brock well, laid down. The first half was definitely... Definitely not on him completely. The defense was absent. They did not show up and yeah, were getting was, gashed. And the offensive line was not giving Purdy time. He was getting pressured. And the interception he threw was a guy pushed into him and his hand hit his helmet. So oh, Come on now. Don't Sounds like a lot of excuses with, from Van yeah, Wink that, there for the first time. I'm like saying. I'm trying Rock to defend my perfect. guy again. No, You don't need to defend him anymore. He came back and, yeah, he, and he won the so game. He's in the Super Bowl, brother. I love it. Just enjoy it. Don't be all... Uh, well, will start calling him Sassy Van Winkle. <laughs> Sassy Van Winks. So we got that I was, story. I was uh, dreading what would happen if, if the 49ers lost that game, if Purdy looked terrible. What what would happen to Van Wink for this show? He wouldn't even come on. He wouldn't even talk to me. He'd just be <laughs> sitting in the background. The other, the other story from that one, and we'll get to the Chiefs. Great underdog story. Um... To another great underdogs. What? The Lions. The Lions, man. Like, I don't know that many Lions fans, but those poor bastards, just the way that they lost it. It was the most Detroit Lions thing ever to get out to a 17-point lead and blow it the way. I mean, that... I don't know how you can't feel for those people in in some capacity. My God. I cannot believe, and I, and I know that Dan Campbell is this this you know gambler, and we knew that he wasn't going to change his ways just because it's the NFC Championship game. But uh, you know there there are like, I understood going for it on fourth and short, down three late in the game, going for the win. I do not understand it. When you have a chance, probably at least a 75, 80% chance to make a 45-yard field goal and go up three scores midway through the third quarter and take away any momentum the 49ers might have had. And they really didn't have any. That's the thing. Like The 49ers had no momentum. They got the ball first in the second half. They went down. They needed to score a touchdown. They didn't. They kicked a field goal. You got the ball. You drive it down the field. You're in field goal range. You kick that field goal. You go up 17, and I think we're sitting here with a much different conversation today. And I I saw a lot of people online defending 
the Lions for going for it there. All the, the, the play call was right. The play was there. They just didn't make it. And a 45-yard field goal isn't a gimme. But come on, this is the NFL. Like It's supposed to be as close to a gimme as you can get. That is almost automatic for NFL kickers. Yeah. And Nonetheless. I think you just take it. You go up three scores because that is what gave the 49ers the momentum. The crowd swung and all of a sudden it was on. I want to say one thing about Brock is it's funny. I was watching the game with my, my best friend from like preschool. He's a huge 49ers. He was a Joe Montana, Steve Young kid and stuck with him. And then he actually is he the guy that blocked that. me on Twitter. No, different one. Okay. <laughs> you know, Carper, you know, Adam. Oh, this is Carper. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So he, <laughs> he stuck with the 49ers through thick and thin. They've been his team for, wait a second, thick a, and thin. What the hell are you talking about? It's, they had some pretty thin years. I mean, he, my point is after they were good in the nineties, he didn't just leave them. Like he, he stuck with them. Oh, Whatever. come on, Williams. Oh, the Jim Tom Sula, Brian Kelly, or Chip Kelly era was not great. I forgot. Well, okay, Chip. for what? Like five years? Two years. <laughs> Dude, they had some pretty lean years there for a while. They really. Ben whatever. I'm not Vin, trying to. Hang, hang on. Look, I, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm not the, trying for, to victimize 49. I was making a point. This is a long time 49ers fan. I'm watching the game 49ers. with. 49ers. They've been to like, I swear. Just in the last 30 years, they've been to like 12 <laughs> NFC championship games. Like, c- come many, on, Williams. How many titles have they won? How many Super Bowl titles? Yeah, how many titles Six. have they won? I think f- right? five. Their last one was in 94. So okay. they haven't right. won at all yeah. in a long time. But it, it's like every other year, they are in the NFC Championship game. So don't give it to me with this... Uh, Thick and thin. There was really right, no whatever. thin for the forty. We this just got done talking do. about the Detroit Lions, and you're like you completely derailed shows and points. And other my best friend, points. you know, he's you know he's Forty ers You know they've they've been really bad for a long time. He stuck with them. You know those three years when they didn't make the playoffs. Those those are you those, done? For now. I'm, but I'm going to look it up and see how many. Go go ahead with your story about Carper. The point the, is, the just, we're watching this game. Tortured fan. And it's like every time we were just we're having this conversation about every time Brock steps back, you have to hold your breath because you don't know what in the hell he's going to do. You know, it it's like is he gonna try and it, Matt made the point last week like Brock has gotten frankly lucky. Like I I don't know if I've ever seen a player have as many interceptions dropped by the other team as what Brock Purdy does, and I don't know. If there's just luck involved in that, or if it's a deal, but because he's always trying to thread the needle and what? Well, look at the play at Ayuk that bounced off the yeah. guy's helmet, and that's what I'm saying. Ended like, it right very, back up in his hands. There, there's got to be something to it. I, <laughs> it I don't a, know. I'm it was not a good smart. throw, but it was definitely some luck involved. I was thinking we were talking and thinking back to Brock's career at Iowa State. You know, he starts midway through his freshman year and goes all the way through. And I think the national media may be just starting to pick up on this now. It's like the guy plays, he's like Brett Favre without the arm strength. Right? He's got an arm, but he doesn't have a cannon like Brett, Brett Favre did. But he plays like that. The one thing I, I think you can say about Brock, though, is he generally never gets rattled. Like he just keeps his – the guy can make three bonehead plays in a row, crowd screaming against him, and he's literally the same dude – on play number four as he was on play number two. He is one of the most just mentally strong athletes I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And it it stood out yesterday. It's like all the pressure's on you. He's not dumb. He knows exactly what we do, how he's just going to get skewered if they lose that game. And he comes out after whatever Matt, Matt can say whatever he wants. I don't think Brock played well in the first half. I don't mm-hmm. think there's an mm-hmm. – there. yeah, he wasn't getting any help. But he mm-hmm. that was one of the worst halves he's played all year. Mm-hmm. And he comes out and is just elite in the second mm-hmm. half in that well, moment. That was my takeaway to it. Like, he had the scrambles. He had yeah. some nice throws. Yeah. But mentally, the dude is just a rock. Yeah, we saw – we definitely saw his ability to extend plays, which, you know, he had to do. You know, they needed it. They needed him to extend plays – he used his legs. There was a, a, a weird exchange in the press conference with Kyle Shannon. Someone's like, were you surprised that Brock was able to run around like that? And it's like, he's like, 
no, he was doing that since the game he came in that versus the Dolphins well, that's, last that's year. That's what I don't get. Like all the people that <laughs> are surprised that he can move like that. Yeah. That's what he did in college. It's like, are you and watching? You were seeing a lot of, you know, balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. And yeah, he's he's shorter than most quarterbacks, but he's got that extra, you know, that extra sense where he can, he, he really does see plays happen before they happen. You know, he can see where guys are supposed to be. There's that great play with Ayuk earlier in the season where he's like pointing for him where to go in the end zone where he was moving around in the pocket and. He's just got a really good sense of where guys need to be and finding them when they're open. So, I, well, I looked it research. up. I, I, yeah. I mean, since 2011, the 49ers <laughs> have been to seven NFC no, championships. No, go back to like since '94. Okay, when they won that's that. not what, 14. What, what? Huh? You said they have been to 14 in the last 30 years. Well, yeah, but okay. Let's, go back you to '94. You want to go? Well, you're skipping all the way to when Carper's ten years old. Yes, I mean, the guy, that was the point. You're I like, was well, making. he grew up. You know, he did. Look at all the Super Bowls they won in the '80s. I mean, he, like, let's just he start wasn't alive. like, okay, let's just start in like 1990. Okay, conference championship game 1990, conference championship game 92, conference championship game 93, conference championship won the Super Bowl. Do the post Montana era. 1997 conference championship game. Okay. He, he he might have gone 10 years without going to a conference championship game, but give me a break with this tortured fan stuff. He stuck with the 49ers when they were We actually, hey, 20, 2003 to 2010, they missed the playoffs every season. They had That's barely seven had, years. They so had what? one, one yeah. year they went 8-8 eight and eight in 2009 with Alex. Smith. I got a lot of pushback. I have a friend who's a Browns fan, diehard Cleveland guy from Cleveland. Yeah. And he he said that me and Sipka really glossed over the Browns and that you did, deserve, yeah. you, you did, you did, yeah. And it it makes sense too after he made his point to me about how their their franchise was just stolen from them and taken to Baltimore and then Baltimore wins the Super Bowl and then yeah, it, yeah we I stand corrected on that one. Thank you because that that was BS. I was listening to that pod with Sipka. He's he's so full of it. Look, the Bills have been tortured. That. The Bills have been close. The Bills have suffered tons of heartbreak. But like comparing it to the Lions, the Lions, and man, even those, and, and even the Vikings. No, the poor the Lions fans. Ugh. Like they, you have Eminem up there flipping off the crowd. Oh, God. Like, this was their moment. They get up seventeen. You know, I thought it was a really stupid thing when Williams on that podcast said, "I'll never see my team win a Super Bowl." I think you actually might be kind of right. I am right. What happened, what happened to the Lions? You know, dude. The, no, the Vikings are not winning the Super Bowl in my lifetime. I guarantee it. They will not. That I. I, I don't, whatever. I don't. I don't. We don't need to make this about the Vikings. <laughs> um, and then the so I, we all love a good underdog story, and somehow, some way, the Kansas City Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl, and and our guy, <laughs> our guy Mitch is already at it. He's holding up like signs in the locker room about disrespecting the Chiefs. Uh, regardless, this is the best matchup as far as you're going to be out there in Vegas. I know Chris with CBS Sports HQ, and this is the best storyline. Man, this is going to be freaking great. Hey, I, we, I don't look forward to a Super Bowl like this in my entire life. I can honestly say really? that. Really? Wow. And yeah, we just I mean, had we, this matchup, what, four years ago, but it's it's, but different. it's different. Like, that it's was Jimmy now. G. This is yeah. Brock Purdy. This is now the Chiefs are the dynasty. That was kind of at the beginning of of their run and now fourth Super Bowl in five years a chance to really cement themselves as this new dynasty in in the NFL last year the question was okay they won it again are they a dynasty there were some saying yes some saying no all the stuff they had to fight through this year and go on the road and they were underdogs in back-to-back games I know we make fun of the fact that Mitch Holthus goes, oh, you can doubt the Chiefs. You can say that they're underdogs. I'm going to kick your ass anyway. But there were really were a lot of people that were counting them out this year when they went through their struggles. They lost like, what, four, four out of six games. And you're thinking, oh, Travis Kelsey's looking a little old. Now he's, he's, he's got his, you know, the Taylor Swift thing. Maybe that's affecting them. I wanted to see Taylor Swift flip off the Baltimore fans like Eminem was doing. That would be hilarious. Be great. And the, the internet good for would her break. brand. Show a little would just edge. Break. Hey, um, can you get your dad under control? 
Don Hassel is in the Facebook comments. Quote oh, for our Christ. podcast audience, Winkle and Cyclone Larry and Bloom had a huge circle jerk over Purdy last night. Yeah. Come on, Don. We Don's, don't got to make it vulgar. Mr. Don's Hassel. not allowed in the 49ers bandwagon. Sorry, Don. Even though Kittle's there. Sorry. Yeah, because he says he's good. He, he was rooting against them last night because, in his words, Purdy is overrated. And so I asked, I said, by who? He goes, ah, Winkle. Winkle thinks he's the best. Like, okay, a guy who went to Iowa State, works at Iowa State, and then he's like, what do you mean he works for Iowa State? What the hell does he do there? And the same way he's in, he's in the, the video. He's in the video program. What's he do, shoot practice? God. Yeah, it was the oh. guy behind the bench with the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the Chiefs deal really is, if you watch all their games, and I, I pretty much watch all the Chiefs games, it's pretty shocking how bad their offense looked seven or eight weeks ago yeah. compared to what they're doing. And their defense, I would say, mainly won that game for them yesterday. But it's like they flipped a switch, right? And Kelsey now looks like he's 30 again. And Mahomes was always good. He's I, – I know that Brady's deserves everything he's gotten, but I – Mahomes is right there, in my opinion, especially if he wins this Super Bowl. Like he's just, yes, he's I think so I, I think if he wins this one, the comparisons start. Because the thing is, Brady did it. Like I mean, he was a good, got better as a passer too as he got older. But he didn't have like the physical just gifts that mm-hmm. Patrick does, and you saw that in Patrick Mahomes when he was a freshman in college. But I mean, I, I love telling the story to the people who don't know it. Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner, number one pick in the draft, transferred from Texas Tech because he knew he couldn't beat this guy out. Mm-hmm. That's how good Patrick Mahomes has always been. Baker Mayfield was like, <laughs> sorry, bro, I'm not competing with you. I know you're going to beat me out. I'm going somewhere else. And Bob Stoops took him in at Oklahoma. But that, like, that is how like physically gifted Patrick Mahomes has always been. And Brady just never had that. We've all seen the video of him at the combine where he's this tall gangly guy coming out of Michigan like Brady had to really work on his body to get there this guy is like Superman and I stupidly lost money against the Chiefs two weeks in a row now I thought they'd go down and they keep surprising me and uh and real quick the point spread for the Super Bowl opened at two and a half and it is already down to one all of the smart money is on Kansas City in this one. All yeah, how do you at this point? How do you bet against them? I mean, you thought everything was set up finally for the Bills. They get the Chiefs at home. Chiefs are struggling a little bit, at least relative to how they've been the last few years. Wobbly. Bills playing great football can't beat them. Same thing with the Ravens. Oh, we're, we're, we're finally back in the AFC Championship game. First time since whenever that was, 2013 or so, when they when they went to the Super Bowl, that Super Bowl championship, the second one for Ray Lewis with Joe Flacco. Lamar Jackson finally gets there. They are just rolling. And they've got it going on both sides of the ball. Okay, this is it. This is our year. We're getting there. We're, we're getting past the Chiefs. <laughs> it happens again. Chiefs didn't even score in the second half, and they still won the game. Well, and I just don't like, for the 49ers, their offense is so so more so much more based on rhythm. And it looked like after those three weeks that they barely played, they finally started to get back into that rhythm in the second half last night. And now you got a two week break where it's just like the Chiefs really aren't like that anymore, right? It's just Pacheco, he's a madman. You've got dump it off to Kelsey, you know, Mahomes will scramble when he needs to, and you've got probably the best defense in football right now where I'm not that confident in the 49ers defense at this point. And again, like what does their offense look like after another break? I, you have to favor the Chiefs in this, I think. Mm. Matt, do you are you are you upset with that analysis? I mean, the line kind of speaks for itself how tight of a matchup this is. I think that's pretty pretty spot on. I mean, I think at at this point you have to give the edge to the Chiefs just cuz they've been there. They've done that. Um you know, first time for Brock Purdy in a Super Bowl. So I think at this point, I I think I would, I think the Chiefs should, well, I think that line will actually, what, was it minus one for the Niners right now, he said? Yeah, yeah. I think it started it, I think, at two and a half. I think that might swing, to be honest. Don't you? 
You think it could swing to even put like a even money? It could. I would guess two weeks there'll be now. a lot of public betters on the 49ers just because they're you such do. a big okay. fan base and whatnot. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, yeah. It was a great day, though, Hassle. Should we get to the <laughs> – what about Iowa? Uh, took fa- How many months did it, this offensive coordinator search go? Three. And he releases well, it? yeah, th- what, like October, November, December, January. Yeah, three months. Well, and it's it's – NFL Championship Day, and we're just going to sneak this thing in there. Uh-huh. I have no idea if they were thinking through it like that. But let me give you the credentials to Tim Lester, <laughs> Iowa's new offensive coordinator. Uh, he was a head coach at Western Michigan. He was fired as the head coach at Western Michigan. He went 37-32 and 32 there. He has Power 5 offensive coordinator background in 2014 and 2015 at Syracuse. Those offenses were ranked 116th and 119th. Syracuse record during that time was 5-14. and 14. He most recently was a senior analyst with the Green Bay Packers. However, I was scrolling around. I'm not trying to just pile on to Iowa. The, uh, Brad Heinrichs, who runs the collective, he, he said this is the shot in the arm that Iowa needs. Or the, a shock to the system, I think, is what Brad says. I don't see it, but I, I don't know anything about this guy other than just reading his credentials, which on paper, I don't know how you could make much, much less of an exciting hire on paper than what this guy is. But again, I don't know the ins and outs of this dude. What do you think? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's just par for the course. I mean, this is like textbook Kirk Ferentz. Just waits all this time. And then goes and brings the the other candidate that Iowa fans were actually excited about, and interviews him in broad daylight at a hotel right across from Kinnick Stadium, where you know somebody's going to see it, get a picture of it, start circulating it around. Iowa fans are like, "Oh wow, yeah, the they might guy. actually hire." They might actually hire a guy that makes some sense with some chops. And then, nope, we're going to go the other way to the guy the fan base is not excited about in the least that doesn't really have the credentials. Now, (laughs) does it really matter? That's the question. After Paul Chris said no, I don't think anything that any realistic candidate was going to move the needle at all. Were you ever going to get somebody to come in there and take this offense to a to the, his or her own level? It wouldn't be. There's, there's no female, so I guess I don't need to say that. No, there's no female yet that is an offensive coordinator in in football. So I did not need to do that. Um, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't think it matters really because Kirk Ferentz, I think, went into this with particular guidelines and guardrails where, okay, yeah, you are you interested? Okay, well, th- this is how it's going to be. You're going to be, you're, you're going to, you, you can do this, but you can't do that. We play complimentary football here. We, we are going to stick with what we've been doing because it has worked. We won 10 games last year. So if, if that's not for you, this job isn't for you. And so I don't think that anyone who would have taken the job would have really been any different than what they ended up with because Kirk, the the buck stops with Kirk. This is Kirk's thing. Whoever is the offensive coordinator, I don't think matters as much as it does in other programs. Now, the only place where it might matter where I have seen some some people say, hey, let's let's give him a chance here, is this guy is su- supposed to be a quarterback guy. Like Correct. he, he played quarterback. Yep. He played quarterback. He was played quarterback in the XFL for a cup of coffee. Maybe this guy will be better at developing quarterbacks than what they've had. That that is my hope. I'd hope it's, it, it's not in the offensive play calling or the scheme. That's not going to change. But maybe, maybe they can actually develop somebody. Maybe find some talented guys 
and develop them, which is something Iowa has been sorely missing for a long time. Yeah, that that's about the only like big positive I could find too when I was digging in on this dude. We'll see. I again, I, my my stance was after Paul Chris. It's like I just don't know who realistically would take that job, who realistically Kirk would hire, who could get the fan base to be like, yeah, now we're making moves. Like that wasn't going to happen, mm-hmm. and so it'd be pretty stupid for me. Like I'm not going to come on and kill this because I I don't know anything about the guy. His numbers are terrible. If you, I mean, really, really bad. He had a couple of good offenses early in that Western Michigan uh, tenure. It's it's hard to tell because that was after like the greatest run in school history when PJ Flack had them, right. you know, playing really well, and then he eventually was let go. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I guess at least it's over with, and the, and they can get moving and and get to work with this guy. I'm assuming they'll have a press conference at some point actually has iowa even made it official i don't think iowa has i think it's just been reported no I, as of nine fifty fifty seven eastern time here on monday no uh they have not <sighs> i you got any meat to pick off of this bone it's hard to analyze not, like what do, what are you not talking really about? and we've got all off season to go all about this and i was gonna you know tell all the people at the state tournament not to look over into their practice this summer to see what they're doing with the offense. And I'm sure there will be stories written about how, oh, yeah, this is, oh, it's it's different. But you also have to think of the personnel. Like, I I don't think uh, all of a sudden it's going to be a different-looking offense. You're going to have a quarterback that can't really move around in Cade McNamara. And I, I think it's going to look very similar. But I, I'm not going to kill it. Because we just have no idea how this is going to work. No, but yeah, I know the type I know we thought the, they would make the, the majority of fans are disappointed because I think there were some fans that really did think, "Oh, wow, Brian's out of there. We're gonna go. We're gonna go do something different." No, it, that was never going to happen. Well, and then you did. You threw out a guy like Paul Chris, who was a legitimate candidate, and that got people excited because that's a guy who you know. You've watched his teams play. He's beaten you before. You like, you know, like there's there's a side of that that was sexy. And and this isn't, but this is the exact type of hire we thought was coming and they didn't surprise us, but we'll see how it plays out. Want to thank our uh friends at the Iowa Event Center for having us um be a part of everything that they do. We're doing the Zach Bryan ticket giveaway. Um Matt we're still taking entries, right? We gave away yep. a pair to the suite no, on no, not a pair. Thursday's show. We're going to do another one this Thursday, right? But we're still taking entries to this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you get you get to bring three of your friends to the suite, so it's not a pair. You get a- I'm doing a draft. I haven't done the draft <laughs> yet. All, my, all these friends need to do nice things for me, and we'll see who deserves it the most. Okay. How about, how, about how do you choose between Van Wink and Carper? Two friends that have just been just been through the ringer as 49ers fans. Yeah. Just all those years Brutal. of just horrible football. Maybe I should just take Bills fans and Browns fans and just be like the most depressing Zach Bryan box ever. <laughs> and we're just gonna I, drink the pain away. Vikings fans just sitting in there just sulking, watching Zach Bryan play a ballad. IowaEverywhere.com. That entry uh, we're going through another like two or three weeks on this, right? Yeah, we'll pick another winner this Thursday on our show, and then the last winner will be picked next Thursday. So you got two more weeks. They had a tough break last week. Uh, the band Disturbed was supposed to be at Wells Fargo Arena. This is a bad deal. The The lead singer got laryngitis. Oh, God. You know the song, Down With The Sickness. Wait, is that oh, what they sing? Down With The Sickness. What? Yeah. Rock. Rock. Down With The Sickness. Yeah, he got poor bastard got laryngitis. And he, I don't know how you if you sing like that all the time, you don't just walk around with laryngitis. I feel like that'd just be like a part of your life. Do you still have hoof and mouth in your uh, in your house? No, everybody's healthy. Wow. Okay. Great. No Good wet coughs right now. Elise was sick at the end of last week, but she seemed to have uh, come around. So, great. Uh, we'll do some basketball. The let's. Well, we can 
segue into basketball with our Kelderman Bigger, Better, Boulder. How about that? Bigger, Bigger Better, Boulder. We have some Bigger, Better, Boulder. Powered by Kelderman Manufacturing. Matt, I'll let you go first because I know you're taking us into where we want to go. Yeah. Well, you guys probably thought I was. Wait, pick, you didn't pick, pick Purdy? Well, we talked enough about him. Yeah, we're, is this an we're upset? Programming is, a show it, here, Hassel. If you would have, if he would have picked Purdy, I think my my dad would just lose his mind. <laughs> That's the upset of the year. Me not picking Brock Purdy. Uh, I'm going to go with the Iowa State student section. Man, what an environment! What an atmosphere at Hilton. On Saturday against Kansas, CBS Hassel, your 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 crew was there. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a great crew. Oh my god, it looked incredible on TV. There's something about those CBS, those high quality cameras that it is just so much. Yeah, I saw the side by side of uh, <laughs> the ESPN CBS Plus. broadcast with the uh, ESPN Plus broadcast. ESPN Plus, it looks like a dungeon. <laughs> Man, it, it it really is. I don't ever really notice it because I'm always at the games at Hilton. Yeah. But people complain about the lighting mm-hmm. a lot because it's changed. It's not the How lighting. How much of it has to do with these bad cameras and like ESPN compared to the CBS feed? Could you guys tell a difference? Like, again, I never pay attention there's, to that because I'm a, there. I can tell a difference even between like the ESPN, ESPN2 broadcast yes. between CBS. I think CBS just invests more in better quality cameras, better sensors. It's... There is something to do with the lighting. The upper, the the upper part of Hilton is still really dark, but that's not really shown on TV all that much. I think it was just a warmer color, made everything look a little better when it was on CBS. And man, the crew is just unbeatable. And the students, I just got to give props to the students. They you know lined up for two days. They were there right after the Kansas State game, and man, Dude, they fill that thing up to the brim. They were there. It was wild. I'll give Iowa State some credit because they let them in early. I mean, yeah, there was like, what, three hours before tip they let him in? Dude, I walked in. It was like two and a half hours, two hours before tip. I walked into Hilton, and the student section was completely full. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, there, it was sold out at this point. You couldn't get a seat if you were a student. And they were just hammering the Kansas managers that were out there, like, getting the bench ready and stuff. I mean, these poor kids, these volunteer – you know, like it's like a oh, freshman economics major. Jimmy is out there getting the towels ready for Kansas, and yeah, fuck KU. <laughs> like it was just these guys were they were just on fire. I I got a report from uh, one of the students when I walked in. I was like, hey, is everybody behaving? I was just kind of kidding around, and he said, well, one guy just got arrested. What? I was like, what? One kid um, snuck a bottle of Captain Morgan in. And he was underage, oh. and they they took him out, hmm. got his ass out of there. Well, damn! Not a lot of that going on here, though. I actually asked some Iowa State people, and they're like, "No, they actually are pretty well behaved." Mm-hmm. At, you know, and they were. It was intense. That, that I'm not going to say it was the best atmosphere I've been at because I've been to many over 20 years, but that was top three. The environment. It was mm-hmm. just, and everybody was so amped up after the Kansas State thing and the whole Spygate situation that I think that that gave the crowd a little bit more of an edge. And that's a that's a good one, Maddie. I'm going to give a quick shout out too to the uh, the BYU student section for their horns down <laughs> T-shirts. That I'm going to give a, a props to the student section and a thumbs down to whoever made them take them off because that's just that's weak. Total so sauce. Stupid. And then their coach, so Mark Pope, like after the game. Do you have that audio by any chance? No. I, I, I tweeted it. it. We don't need to, you don't need to pull it. But he, he was like, that's not who we are. That's not what Brigham Young University represents. <laughs> like they're out there with like racial slurs or something. It, it's horns <laughs> down for God's sake. So stupid. And again, making, making a bigger deal out of what it really is. It, kids having fun. And it's <laughs> whatever. I don't want to get into that garbage, but it, it, I, going back to the Iowa State game, I, Kansas was stunned by Iowa State. Game. They really were. I mean, if you heard the post game comments, and Williams, you were in the post game, so I'm assuming you you were there getting mm-hmm. this video. But they were like, "Oh, well, the scouting report. You know, I mean, you look at the percentages. I mean, they 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 they, they weren't supposed to do this. So I I think they they were legitimately stunned." 
by Iowa State's willingness to shoot the three and ability to make the three in that game. But is that sustainable or was this an anomaly? I think it was a scouting report deal myself. So what Kansas did, and Bill Self talked about this, and and I asked a couple of Iowa State coaches after the game, and they acknowledged it as well. Like, so Trey King hit four threes. He's not a three-point shooter. He can shoot the three. When you go back to when Trey played at Eastern Kentucky, he was almost like he was like a 35% three-point shooter. Like The guy can shoot the three, but I think at this level, his release isn't as fast, and it's harder for him to get good, clean shots up against athletic fours in the Big 12. What Kansas did was they put Hunter Dickinson on him, who's you know a slower big, and Iowa State saw it in the scouting report that they thought he could get open and get some shots up. And then, you know, is that sustainable? Absolutely not. They're not going to hit four. That'll be they they won't lose to many people when they're hitting fourteen threes. No, most teams wouldn't. That's that's a stupid analysis. But they. There's something about it when that in that building and everything's falling and, and it's contagious and that's kind of what happened. That that offense was like a snowball rolling down a hill in the second half. The crazy part, if you go back and rewatch the game to anybody, the last twelve minutes there were hardly any stops for either side. Both teams were scoring at will, including Kansas. Like Dickinson just started to take over that game in the last ten minutes. And that was really, really high level basketball. Like that was mm-hmm. that was as close to March Madness type stuff as you can get on a obviously not on a neutral floor. But it was I give Kansas a ton of credit because I, I when they got down ten, I thought they were going to run away. I thought Iowa State was, and Kansas just kept chipping away. And but man, you, you look at that shot that Keyshawn Gilbert hit to go back up five. Iowa State's down two, mm-hmm. right, or up two. Yeah. Gilbert coming off that screen into the shot clock, just a big time shot. And what's cool, Hassle, is Iowa State's five and two now going into this week. They've got a bye in the middle of the week, and they've got a tough stretch coming up. But they're right in the thick of things to win this league, which is they're doing awesome. exactly what they needed to do. They're holding serve at home. They stole yep. one on the road in a great spot in by far the best conference in the country, and one of the best conference years we've seen ever in college basketball I mean they they're going to get double digit teams into the tournament and these guys are just going to kill each other I, I'm really interested to see what will win it like how many losses will be able to win this how many can you afford can you afford five six losses I would put the over under at five and a half okay it's kind of where I thought it would be too um, I, I had a horrible moment at the end of this game. Horrible. What's that? So I had Iowa State minus four oh. and a half. <laughs> same, and same. Did you really? So you're going to the McCuller, the McKellar shot, aren't you? So Kansas has the ball. I think it's, let's see, what is it? It's a seven point game. Kansas has the ball, missed the shot. Iowa State's got it. They get fouled. So I, I, I sent I sent a text to the group. Oh, that was close. Iowa State covering the four and a half. And just as I send that, missed the front end of a one and one, right down the court. Bang, three, cover. That was one of the worst beats. Because it's one of the worthless ones, right? Like, I mean, there's totally. No <laughs> I mean, missing the front end of a one and one and then giving up the, I mean, Jesus. That was horrible. There's no team in college basketball over the last three years that has missed more front ends of the one and one than Iowa State. I don't know how I find that stat, but I guarantee I'm correct. They are terrible on the one-on-ones. Horrible. I'm surprised they still do one-on-ones, to be honest with you. Well, I, we both think that they should go to the women's format, which is four yes, quarters. No doubt. You get rid of the one-on-ones. But I don't know. They, they want to be different. I, I think it's stupid. Because I, I, 
it there are few things worse as a fan just that just really grind my gears than when you miss the front end of a one and one. Oh, it's the worst. Oh um, Iowa State is are they are they last or in free throw percentage this year they got to be close they're terrible they were not good that's how kansas kind of stayed in that game yeah they, at one point i know iowa state was like four of 12 from the free throw line in the second <laughs> half and it was just like it was horrible yeah they're shooting 69 percent. that's that's gonna bite them that's gonna come back to bite them and that's gonna be something to watch in the ncaa well i mean they well. That Texas A&M game was a quad one opportunity, and that lost them that game. So it, it already has gotten them. I think they're tenth in the net. The last I saw, twelve on Kim Palm. So they're holding serve. They're in really good shape. To if they just do what they're supposed to do, be a three or a four or a five, probably at the worst seed in the NCAA tournament. Great road win by your Hawkeyes, Hassel. And I know that's where you wanted to go with bigger, better Boulder today. Yeah, Iowa. Uh, they fell behind eight, nine points kind of late in the first half and it just it, it didn't look good they couldn't get any stops you know the interior defense as we always talk about was atrocious and they came back they you know were within a few points at halftime and then second half Peyton Sanford just took over and he's my triple b this week because you know that that Wednesday loss to Maryland he had a really disappointing finish to that game. He was part of the defensive breakdown at the end of that game that allowed mm-hmm. Jameer Young to to hit the game when he shot. He was emotional in the post game. He was really hard on himself, not just for that, but for just kind of disappearing down the stretch. And and Saturday we we found out why his his grandmother died that morning, Wednesday mm-hmm. morning, and. You know, I'm sure that was on his mind the whole time, probably putting even more pressure on himself because, in his words, his, his grandmother had dementia and really wasn't able to watch him uh, play and ha- hadn't been able to for, for quite a while because of the disease. And, and in his mind, she passes away. Oh, she's finally going to get a chance to watch me, you know, from above. And I think he put more pressure on himself and, he was really upset with the way he played. And what did he do? He comes out, responds, 21 points in the second half against Michigan. He was 6 of 8 from deep. He was the player that uh, I think a lot of us want him to be in that game. And just a great response on the road. So Peyton Sanford is my bigger, better, bolder player of the week because of that. Playing with a heavy heart, that was, that was really cool to see. Well said. I think he is that player. My my read on him is that, you know, they're they're down on talent this year. I don't think any fan can deny that. And I just think, I think he's, I think he's playing. I think he's trying to cover a lot of things up. I think he's trying to do too much at at some points. When I watch Peyton, mm-hmm. I, I think he's solid. I think he's really really good. I always got a good one there. Was happy to see him do that. Great story. Thanks for telling that, Chris. Because I'm sure a lot of people. The, the one thing about this weekend in sports, especially on Saturday, all of our teams were playing at the same time. The Iowa men, Iowa women, Iowa State. The Iowa men played a little bit later, I guess, mm-hmm. but all of these games were going on at the same time. You had the NFL games. It was hard to get a lot of attention. Sorry, Dirks is going crazy in the background. <laughs> He's rubbing his ass all over me. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, it was a that was a good one for Iowa. Good win. I'm gonna go with another college basketball story. Now this one you go out to the Big East, but Hassel, I'm sure you spent time on CBS with this story. Ed Cooley's return to Providence at Georgetown. Uh, this was uh, it, it. Actually, I was reading Dana O'Neill's piece in the Athletic about this, and it kind of made me laugh because she was like, "Oh, this is a 12 o'clock tip, and students are gonna start showing up at." 9.30 in the morning to get seats for this one. And I was kind of laughing with these these people in Ames who have been sleeping there since oh, Wednesday yeah. night. Uh-huh. Nonetheless, this is this is hated. Like, Ed Cooley, I don't think everybody really – he's from Providence. Like, he grew up right down the road from the arena, goes there, has his awesome decade-plus run. These Providence fans, the history of that program, they've had all these great coaches that have left uh, – they're never good enough. 
and they thought this guy was going to be their Tom Izzo, their you know guy who's there for thirty plus years, and then he sticks it to him last year and goes to Georgetown, which hadn't been good in a really long time. This was like a you, you want to talk about a hated atmosphere, like just nasty. Ed Cooley coming back, and, and Providence won the game. Uh, so I was really happy for those people. It was actually pretty cordial. The post game and stuff, everybody said the right things. But I, I, I was happy for those Providence fans, though. This yeah, was man, a they, hell of an atmosphere. Oh, that was wild. I was watching some of the the pregame videos, fans trying to get in. I mean, they were like it was almost like a crush situation where they were. They were packed in so tight, and they were knocked over some barricades. People fell on the ground. People screamed. I mean, it was. They had this game circled since the day he left. Dana O'Neill in that story quoted a bunch of people that bought season tickets just so they could have tickets to this game because it was cheaper for them to buy the season tickets than the get in the door price for wow. the single game. I, give give Cooley credit though. Uh, Georgetown was like a ten point dog. They stayed in that game. That was a tight game until the final couple minutes. He's a good coach. And then he sees. I thought he had a pretty good quote after the game. He like, you know, I get it. Putting a lot of energy into, you know, going after me. I I, I get it. But they should focus more on the 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 good coach that they have. And not the asshole who left. I thought that was that was a pretty good quote from him. That's what college basketball is all about, those type of atmospheres. And I was Ots after the game, he had a wild press conference. Matt, maybe oh, we could pull God, up. God, we didn't even get into that. Statement. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, I got that it now. if you're ready for it. We'll we'll hear that. But I I really he said after the game and TJ and I got there about the same time. He said after the game that that was the best atmosphere he's ever seen in college. I think basketball. Jamie Pollard said the same thing, didn't he? Yes. They all the way around it was well done. The marketing department there and the the fans actually did what they were supposed to. Marketing's tried to do these white out and gold out and and it rarely works with Iowa State fans because they've had so many colors <laughs> in the past. It's like white, red, gold, black now got gray they used to have blue right it, it's just <laughs> been really difficult and the, and it actually worked and it looked really cool and the place was full everybody was in their seats like 10 15 minutes before tip which is rare they have that johnny's sports bar that you know keeps a lot of people in there now and it it was intense so they win the game uh during the game our guy jerome tang is now in post game after his loss to Houston, they just got bullied by Houston. Tang's calling out officials by name, saying that like officials in the Big Twelve are weak. Like he's he's not had a good week as far as PR goes. And your your guy, the reason I say your guy, a CBS colleague Seth Davis had put out a story during this game about the Kansas State Spygate thing. I know Iowa State was just going to kind of let it go until on Friday. All these national media outlets started just picking up the Kellis Robinette report from the Wichita Eagle and the Kansas City Star. And it got to the point where, you know, people are comparing you to Jim Harbaugh and Connor Stallions, and you kind of have to respond at this point. <laughs> yeah. And that's what TJ Otzelberger did before even addressing the Kansas win. Here's what he had to say It's incredibly disappointing. Um, that after such an awesome game and awesome environment and atmosphere that I even have to begin uh, by addressing um, something that happened, you know, earlier this week. Uh, the ludicrous, ludicrous rumors uh, earlier this week uh, that somehow we were trying to gain an advantage uh, looking into our opponent's huddles is an affront to our players, our fans, and to me. It's not who I am. It's not what our program is about, and I'm angry that someone would even make that suggestion. What is factual is one of their staff members cursed out one of our student managers who is mopping the floor under the basket. So let's put this to bed here and now. It didn't happen. 
it won't happen. And others need to be much more careful with their words moving forward. So there you have it. What did you think, Hassel? I, I mean, I thought he handled it perfectly. Um, and I think he needed to do it. You're right. Uh, because this was starting to pick up steam. Um, and if you just ignore it, then some people are going to take that as well. He hasn't even denied it. They haven't even yeah. said it. What are they hiding about? So uh, throughout the, let's see, Friday and Saturday, I wasn't at work at CBS, but I was, I was getting texts from um, some of the analysts who were saying that they were going to need to talk about this on the air because it was becoming a story. And so they were reaching out to like, what, what is going on? Like, is this a thing? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with you and some others and, um, you know, we know that TJ vehemently denied it to you. And, but this was before he really said anything publicly. The problem here is, and, and why this kind of became, um, a story after the fact is that the, the, the way Tang handled it after the game, he was like, this is not a story. TJ and I are going, I talked to him, we're going to handle this, the, the two of us, and you know, we're not going to put anything out there. So we kind of need to move on. If he's saying that and TJ's saying that, okay, they're just going to do it themselves. But what happened was, is Kansas State let this thing fester. Kansas State either through back channels or through assistant coaches. I don't know. They let this get out there and get out of hand. They needed to come out and say, and Tang specifically, needed to come out even after that and say, look, either something happened or it didn't. Because, you know, what he did, saying he was going to keep it between the two of them, then that kind of puts TJ in a situation where, okay, well, he's going to do that, all right, then I'm not going to say anything publicly either. We're just going to let this go. But clearly, Kansas State could have quashed this, and they didn't. And so I thought TJ made the right move, just addressing it right away before anybody could ask any questions about it, get that out of the way, and and try to move on to talk about what a, a great week it was and a great win for Iowa State. Yeah, you had to. I don't know what else to add. You you said it really well. They again, like it. The they start making Harbaugh stallion stuff. It's like okay, we gotta we gotta do something here. And I just wish that like if Kansas State, like if you have proof, like here's the thing, Chris. I think they actually believe it. Like I don't think Tang and his staff were like making this up. I, I truly think that they believe something was going on and if that's the case there are channels to do that and and it just the way it was handled this led to all this mm-hmm. speculation and it, it it was starting to get ugly and I, I i i was starting to sense when i got to the arena i'm asking a few questions to media types and stuff and you you could tell they were pretty pissed off about how it how it all played out so all i know is i'm probably gonna have to go and cover that game in manhattan oh man that's, that's going to be, be something. That's that'll be, be brutal. That, <laughs> th- and this rivalry is like gone to a different yes. level too. It's it's gotten really nasty, and and you've also seen just tribalism at its finest. There's not a single Kansas State fan that's like, man, you know, we maybe we messed up how we handled that. There's not a single Iowa State fan that's like, hey, you know, you know, maybe we should look into it. It's just completely down the line. Mm-hmm. Everybody is just pissed off at at everybody. The Iowa State student section was great. At the first timeout, they all held up their cell phones like they were recording the Kansas huddle. The the other part that was funny to me was what because I know that TJ and Bill Self are very close friends. Watching them embrace before the game, mm-hmm. they hugged it out for like 10, 15 seconds and were just like borderline laughing hysterically. And I just would have, you know, that that is like gnawing at Jerome Tang and Kansas State as two biggest rivals right there just <laughs> buddying up after the game talking about how much respect they have for one another and how much they love each other and all this stuff it was fun day in, in Hill and Kansas State. State lost by like 30 <laughs> yeah at Houston yeah all right there you go there's our bigger better bolder Kelderman 
manufacturing. You you have something on here about a tweet that I sent out. Oh yeah, this the, it it it, <laughs> it actually has to do with uh, those comments. So you <laughs> you were in the press conference tweeting about with, with Otz's um, comments. I know what you're gonna do. I was you trying said, to get it out there as fast as possible. I know there were typos. Ludicrous rumors that we have tried to gain an advantage. You said as a quote. And you spelled it like Ludacris the rapper. <laughs> C-Mac responds, Ludacris is a rapper. Ludacris are the allegations. I didn't even Wink. notice that until right now. <laughs> Luda. The dirty South, man. Luda's one of those rare rappers from that era that's had like legit like sticking power. Like he's True. Yeah, yes. And how about the uh how about Iron Eagle? With the with the Jim Carrey shout out, did you see that? <laughs> I did. They they it's, call the technical on self, and then they cut to the shot of the 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 Jim Carrey Iowa State fan, and he just goes, "All righty then." <laughs> like he doesn't even tell the story about the fan or anything because clearly great. he knows about that this guy was a viral sensation last game. But they just cut to him like dancing in the aisle. Do you think this? Wrote, who I don't know who this guy is, but do you think that his head is getting too big? Well, I will say this: it's about to get bigger. Uh oh, he's going on uh, Jeff Woody and uh, Grant Mahoney's Cyclone Fanatic podcast this week. They oh, nice. Have him, <laughs> they have him lined up. I know that. I think they're recording that tomorrow. So this guy's yeah, he's gonna. He was like a. I I was kind of watching him from a distance from my seat, and like people were going up to him all game and like high fiving him. You know, it, it, it's pretty fun. Real quick, uh, your dad again has chimed in. Don is just on one. This, he's drinking the Malort here on a Monday morning. Don says, "I believe the Kansas State coach." He hates Iowa State so much. It's, it's a, Don it's, says, "My wife." Saw the Iowa State Bridge for the first time last weekend and just loved it. I wanted to puke. <laughs> he hates everything. Like he, I I do think he has a genuine disdain for Bloom. Really? So like I if, think if I brought Bloom over to meet him, Bloom, he wouldn't be nice. Would he be kind to him? I don't think he'd let him in the house. I really don't. He. The, the amount of texts that he will send where he either mentions Bloom or sends a picture of Bloom, he really has a an unhealthy infatuation with, with Bloom. And he's not the only Iowa fan that's like that. Like, there are a lot of Iowa fans that are, like, obsessed with Bloom. Yeah, there's like a... On iCult's site, there's some thread that's been viewed millions and millions of times. That's it's nothing but just hatred towards Psycho and Fanatic and Bloom. <laughs> it's really I. It was sent to me once, and I went in there for about five minutes, and I got out because I was like, "This is not good for my mental health." Like, can I there's... have some money paid? <laughs> um. Anyways. What it, you've had this on the rundown, final topic of the day. You really want to talk about this. What is going on with you and watches right now? Are you are you are you in the market to buy a watch or something? Can you explain to me why this has been on our rundown three shows in a row? <laughs> well, I So it, this all go this all goes back to my trip back to Iowa over Christmas. And see our good friend Andy Fails. Yeah. And we're out to dinner. And he looks at my watch and it is a it's a citizen watch that I've I probably had it for 10 years my is wife got it. Is that a fancy brand? Me. I don't even know. I, not no. I mean it's it was probably like a $200 watch. Feels like and watches he, are kind of out unless it's the Apple Watch, right? He goes He goes, "You know, you, you need to get a better watch than that." Well, this like took the, a t- yeah. some of most fail shit ever right there. So, so I was like, really? He's like, yeah, you got get like you get, like go go get an Omega watch. 
you, you, you really need to get an Omega watch. And so I'm thinking, all right, you know, this must be, you know, the next level, $600 watch, $700 watch. And I start looking around. This is like, you've got to pay $5,000 for like a new Omega watch. God, you guys and are so I ask him, so I ask him, I was like, you really, you really think I should spend $5,000 on a watch? He said, yes, I think that'd be a great investment. Investment? Yes. He's the word investment for that? Yes. Because they they keep their value for the most part. Mm. Watches do. And and so I, I I can't even fathom this. I can't fathom it. Spending five thousand dollars on a watch, even three thousand dollars. Can can you imagine doing that? No. Like what's the most expensive watch that you've ever purchased? An Apple Watch. And I bought the S E edition, so like the light one. It was like, and how much is that? I don't know, 150 bucks. My 200. daughter is obsessed with watches right now. Oh yeah, that's a she, kid thing. Yeah, they just they want to have something that they can play with on their arm. It, I bought her this digital Spider-Man watch, and it's got like games and this like terrible camera on it. <laughs> I spent 35 dollars on it, and I thought that was a lot. I got 35 bucks. Fitbit. Because she wanted to watch, too. She went through the same stage. But I didn't want her to be able to like be on the internet and stuff, so I got her a Fitbit instead. So I was with someone this weekend who was wearing a real Rolex. And Rolex, you know, that's the watch, right? Pretty sure the watch costs about $15,000. I, I just can't wrap my mind around that. Don't do it. You know, you, some, there are people, value, some people you treat their watches value. like cars. Yeah, there's people in the comments right now that are like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a great investment. Doesn't How about value. you put $5,000 into an index fund instead? Which, and see, like, I would be so scared if I'm wearing something that expensive. I would be so scared to like do anything with my arm. Like I would have to just keep it in my pocket the whole time because you have that to have thing it insured. Scratched. Yeah, you have to have. Yeah, you'd need on it. you'd need to insure that thing. I'd be so worried that something's going to happen to it, and I'm not even talking about like getting jacked for it. I just it blew me away. It blew, and now after he said that. I can't wear that watch anymore. I'm embarrassed to wear no, stop it. the it's citizen fine. watch. There's nothing wrong with that watch. Why do you need a watch? You have a cell phone. It does all the things that a watch... You don't need a watch. Well, I think it's more the the jewelry aspect of it, the look. What do you need jewelry for? I, I feel like if I'm, if I'm on the air, I'm wearing... I'm all dressed up. I'm wearing a suit. I feel naked without a watch. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. When I was in Iowa... For the Northern Iowa game, I lost my wedding ring. Can't find it. I had it on after the game. I had it on during the game, okay? Then I drive to my sister's house in Des Moines, stay there overnight, then fly back. I I don't know where it went. I put in a claim at the rental car place. Haven't heard anything back. It's got to be at my sister's house somewhere. It's got to be like under a couch. Maybe the ba- baby ate it. Is this the sister <laughs> Matt, that Matt says steak? Ben Jacobson took it. <laughs> Maybe that girl who puked that steak all over you stole it. Oh, I didn't see her. So no. So now I'm totally naked on my left hand because I lost my wedding ring. And I'm too afraid to wear the watch that Fails made fun of. Don't go out and buy a $5,000 watch just because Fails told you to. That'd be a really bad life decision. Just don't do it. <laughs> That's called peer pressure. 
son. You don't need to be given into that. Put that into a ETF, okay? I promise you I'm not going to be buying a $5,000 watch. But you, know, you get like 5% on a CD right now. Just do that. I, I found a watch that was like 600 bucks that I, I kind of like, so... We have all these bad influences here in the comments section trying to get you to go out and spend ten grand on a watch. Yeah, I'm with Jeez. I'm with fails. Go buy the five. You're you're covering the Super Bowl next week. You got to look good. Who Come gives on. a Who gives a shit if I've got a a seven hundred dollar watch or a, the, or a fifteen thousand dollar watch? I promise you, people don't care. I promise you, it makes no di- like if if somebody cares about that, then they're not the type of person you want to be associated with. See, that's how that's what I think too. Yes, thank you. I go buy my damn watch at Walmart. Would you think less of me? <laughs> Probably, but that, that's well, okay. you would though. I wouldn't <laughs> think less of you. You would think less of me. That's how this goes. <laughs> All right, uh, we got to get out of here. Hassel's got to get to work. I have a meeting to get to. Van Winks has to get to work. We uh, appreciate all of you watching, listening, doing all this good stuff. Uh, we couldn't do it without our friends at Fairway and Channel Seed. Each and every week, we will be back on Thursday. I'm looking forward to legend and listeners this week to see what Dr. Men and Lysko have to say about this Iowa offensive coordinator hire. We will have a full slate of shows for you. Thanks for paying attention to us here at Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.